Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today in history in 1783, the Montgolfier brothers sent aloft a balloon with a rooster, a duck, and a sheep aboard rapidly advancing French aeronautics. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. My name is Zachary, and if you don't think that unions are effective, remember that the Disney Corporation is slated to lose $300 million this year. That's over six times what the current striking writers were asking for in raises. My name is Megan, and if I was rich enough, I would become the new Vanderbilt, a train baron. But instead of transporting cargo for rich corporations, it would only be tracks for people. No things, only people. You're not even allowed to bring things. (laughs) And I'm Matt. Today I learned that the worst time for the oven at your work to break is during dinner time. Oh, and there's a snail that lives in volcanoes that has a shell made of iron. Oh, yeah. Multiples today. Okay. Well, the first one was uh, repayment on... Tell me more. ...the message that I sent you guys earlier about my day going to shit. Because it turns out that you can't cook dinner in an oven that don't make heat. Oh. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, Yeah. Can you tell me more about the snail? Huh? Tell me more about the snail. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so there's a there's a snail that lives in uh, volcanoes. Just all of them? Uh, hang on. Select I'm volcanoes. Looking it up. I'm looking Not it up. every volcano, volcano is a snail volcano. Uh, it is called the. S- <laughs> Not uh, every. Nope. What's it called? Not every volcano is snail volcano. <laughs> yeah, it's called the scaly foot gastropod. Oh. Okay. And it lives in uh, deep sea, near deep sea volcanoes, essentially. Okay. And it, okay. it'll just eat, like, the minerals that surround these deep sea volcanoes. And it builds itself an oh. iron shell. Interesting. So, so it's a sea, it's a sea snail. Yeah, kind of, yeah. It's not like a land snail. Man, God really built the deep sea creatures different. Yeah. We just like don't we don't have cool things on land. I'm I'm coming to you know what we got on land? Uh people leprosy. Did you say leprosy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean no, Jesus I was leprosy. a big fan yeah. of the lepers, so you know. Yeah, but, but like, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you know what they don't have in the ocean? <laughs> Disease? Leprosy? Lep- leprosy. You're right. I'm we pretty sure you can still ocean. have... Ep- if, you, if you got leprosy and went into the ocean, I'm pretty sure you'd still have leprosy. 
Yeah. No, you would still have it, but you. But I don't think leprosy can spread in the water. So what you're saying is, as long as we are in some kind of water-like stasis, we are free of all disease. We are free of all leprosy. I think so. As long as we stay in liquid I think, form. I bet we're you that Gucci. there's a depth at which I'm gonna leprosy dies. No, I'm gonna. Okay, so first of all, we're hanging on to leprosy pretty tightly. <laughs> But I started a new book. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm let me betting. explain I why started... I'm holding on to leprosy yeah. so much. <laughs> I am betting <laughs> that there is a depth of ocean wherein cancer cells do not grow. I mean, no, but like maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know. If I now have learned I have anything in my lifetime, it's yeah, that like, enough pressure solves anything. <laughs> Yeah, but like here's the thing, I don't I don't grow Just give it a at, squish. at certain depths. Yeah, like I get squished. Yeah, I get squished. And I don't I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. No, I mean I, I get it. I, I also probably don't want to live at a depth of the ocean where leprosy doesn't spread. I pretty I okay, fair enough. I don't know what Guys, depth I that is. I do not though. like I the know. ocean. Any uh, depth of the ocean is enough ocean for me. You don't even want to put your toesies in? I will put my toesies in the ocean. I will not go much further than toesies. Uh. I think the furthest I've ever been in the ocean was up to uh, where my feet could not comfortably touch the bottom anymore. I like okay. I had I had removed myself from the bottom of the ocean, but it was a few little like back arm swings away. And that was only because I was uh with Allie and I was okay if I got eaten by sharks. <laughs> Why were you okay right. with that? Guys, in case you were wondering, that is a joke about how much I hated my life while I was with my ex. I, I did get oh, you. I thought you just like All were right, braver. Everybody, our strikes have been set to zero. We've played a game of rock, paper, scissors. Not that it matters because Zach is continuing his story from last time, uh, and so he might go a little overtime again, and I therefore will be the runner up because Megan was the last time. But if not, if that doesn't happen, if Zach keeps his story short, uh, Zach go first, me go second, Megan go last. Don't yeah. ask me why I sounded like a caveman just now. Me mm, go now. <laughs> but it's just what happened. It's um, what it is, so my friend. Take it away when you're ready, Zach. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am back in the fucking building and getting ready to burn it to the fucking ground when I finally do leave, because today is the week two of my series on the Battle of Blair Mountain. Yay! Yay! <laughs> if I had an air horn, I wouldn't use it because there Thank are people you. trying to bear, sleep bear, in this building. Also, the the acoustics of that are terrible for editing. Zach. I have a feeling that even if I did it, it would not translate. It would be too loud. My mic would just short out. <laughs> we just broke all the equipment That's and we okay. can't record for a while. <laughs> yeah. I did it with I did it with my mouth. All right, today I get to the actual battle, but just to recap, because that's good for everyone, 
And it's also for it anyone is. who doesn't want to listen to more than one episode, I guess. But also, fuck you. Go listen to the last episode. <laughs> hey, guys, if you're not listening to all of these episodes in sequence, what are you even doing? What are you doing? What are you, That's they're, true. they're numbered for a reason. Come on, guys. They are numbered for a reason, just like YA novels. <laughs> But I digress. Uh, the gist of the story so far is that West Virginia sucks monkey balls with labor rights and won't allow labor unions to exist and guess in the what? coal mines. It, what? It's never improved. It's never improved. Yeah, uh, West Virginia hasn't gotten much better. Uh, and labor West Virginia. <laughs> labor unions are not allowed in West Virginia coal mines. But guess what? Labor unions come anyway because, duh. Shitty, quote-unquote, detective agencies come in and use are used as private armies by the coal mine fat cat barons, uh, and they start brutalizing everyone who even whispers the word union, only for the only one good police officer ever in all of history to say, fuck the system, I'm betting on the people, and then, oops, he gets shot, and now it's time to march on Charleston. <laughs> The one good police officer ever in all of history. <laughs> That's there my best others. summation of the, the the events so far. There have been other good police officers, but they also yeah, name got one. shot. Yeah, okay, you oh, know okay. what? I see a trend here. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a good one. It's not a good one. Anyway... Everyone decides to start marching on Charleston, West Virginia, and things do not start out well as on August 7th, 1921 in West Virginia, Mary Harris Jones, who is at the time known as the most dangerous woman in America. I'm sorry, Megan, that title has already been taken. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Uh, and she, Fuck. <laughs> she was known as the most dangerous woman in America because she was so damn good at organizing the miners and their families to do strikes and rallies. And basically it's like she's the best at doing this and everyone who has money hates her because they're scared of her. So she's the most dangerous woman in America. This sucks. I can't believe this. <laughs> <laughs> Megan's going to be fuming about this for the rest of the podcast. Sorry. Sorry to ruin your uh, your dreams, Megan. You could be the no, it's... most dangerous woman in America. I'm going to be the century. railroad baron. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's a bitch prize, but whatever. Keep going. It's, it's a silver medal, but fucking fine. Uh, nobody should ever be comfortable with silver. No. Um, but Mary Harris Jones Especially werewolves uh, Calls for the miners not to actually not march Into Logan and Mingo counties uh, <gasps> To set up unions By force in those counties She tells mm. them hey don't go march in there That's a bad idea Not because that she had lost her nerve But because by the time that they started Their march the mine owners Had amassed basically giant private armies and the Logan County deputies were extremely heavily armed and extremely anti-union. Amazing. So they were like, well, I guess we're gonna go get shot to hell because we have inferior firepower. But we're gonna march anyway. It's absolutely inferior. <laughs> so her cries don't do shit because the men gather by August 20th of the same year for a march on Mingo and Logan counties, which are the two that are, like, the worst fucking counties in West Virginia. And... What is a good county in West Virginia? One more time? What is a good county 
in West Virginia. I've uh, never been to West Virginia, so I don't know. Every county, the only parts of every county that are right over the border. You okay. know what oh, I mean? Okay. Like the parts where it's yeah, the part I, of the county where you're about to leave West Virginia is the best part <laughs> of the county. No, is that because you're about to leave West Virginia? It's because you're about to. When you see the sign that says, thank you for visiting West Virginia, you know you've won. <laughs> you know you know you've successfully won. Look, I, my younger brother used to live in West Virginia and mm-hmm. uh, first of all, hated it. But secondly, like going to visit, just it, he lived in a dry county. Oh, shit. So he had to drive two hours to get booze. That's dumb as hell. Which There's is only like, one good thing that ever came out of West Virginia. Moonshine? Coal. Oh, I was going to say the McElroy family. The McElroy family did come out of West Virginia, and for that we will ever be thankful, but... West Virginia has birthed one good thing. <laughs> one good thing. Anyways, please Didn't continue. they all promptly leave? So... Like... Like, didn't one of them go to Austin and, like, another one went oh, yeah. to Look, California? They were yeah. birthed of West Virginia. It does not mean they need to stay there forever. Yeah, right? They, too, okay. realize the flaws of their, <laughs> of their surroundings. Uh, but the men all gather on August 20th and are like, we're going to head for these counties. Grab your guns, we're going in hard. And by August 24th... Grab your guns, grab your wives. There were an estimated 13,000 men gathered and beginning to march into Logan County. Gathered and hard, you said, right? And hard. Um, They they packed their Viagra. They packed their Viagra and their muskets. Just kidding. This is the 1900s. There's no muskets. (laughs) But, but there was Viagra. No, there wasn't. Viagra wasn't invented until like 1997 or some shit like that. Yeah. And the day that, the in 1997, the year that life started for some men. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Anyways. so an estimated around like 13,000 guys are like, fuck it, we're sick of this, let's go. Um... And they start marching. Some of the men are marching on foot or by however they're getting there in their slow way. However, some miners are growing impatient with the whole on foot thing. And instead of doing that, they decide that they're going to steal a freight train, which they rename Blue Steel Special, and they ride it into the battle site. And it's awesome. <laughs> Here's a question. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Horses existed. Horses existed. I know, but like, okay, you're talking about a bunch of poor miners who have been taken advantage of their entire lives and have never been able to spend a dime outside the company store. Okay. Who's buying horses? Uh, I'm not. Do you think you buy horses when it's war? Okay, here's the thing. True. I've been in enough D&D campaigns to know that there is always an option to steal the horses. Yeah, but... I, steal a horse. That's what I'm saying. They can hear me out. They were willing people, to... Probably not, but like... Hear me out, could. Megan. You could try. Hear me out. Yeah, I'm hearing Why you. Why steal horses when you can steal a train? <laughs> 
Uh, I mean, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I do. I'm on a listening. Real train kick, so Zach is playing directly I am playing into directly to your strengths here, directly to what you are into right now. Why not steal a train? I love, I love leprosy, and I love trains. All right. <laughs> I love leprosy. That is a That's thing my, I never thought that... I'd hear. That should be on my like. I'm gonna make a dating profile, and that's gonna that's gonna be on you, it. I love leprosy. I love. Do trains. you think your boyfriend will have a problem with you <laughs> making a dating profile? I don't know. I think just run it I by him. Be like, hey, babe, yeah. I'm gonna make a dating profile, but I'm gonna say I love leprosy and trains. <laughs> and then I want to see. I want to see how many people I get. It's a science experiment. I'd be. I think that'd be funny. It's a, it's a social experiment. We do have to let Zach finish this part so of the story. So they steal a train. Uh, they rename it the Blue Steel Special, which is the greatest fucking name I've ever heard for a train. It's and a, also yeah, makes me it's think a of good Zoolander. Train name. <laughs> I just yeah. like, imagine it, Derek Zoolander's face on a train as it chugga chugas down the track. <laughs> um, I don't know what I would name a train. You know what you do with a train? No, what I would name a train. Oh. Name it Blue Steel. Name it Blue Steel Special. Yeah. Well, they already got that one. Name it Blue so Steel gotta... Two, the electric boogaloo. Oh yeah, okay, that's a good one. Anyway, so some leadership gets switched around on the Union side as they're marching, but that does not really manage matter because they manage to make it to Bloody Mingo anyway. <laughs> So they get there, the men, some men on trains, some men are still walking, so they're behind the trains, and they're right up getting ready to start this whole fucking shindig. Uh, and the union men are hitching the rides, or they're getting on the trains, and they're heading towards Blair Mountain. And Sheriff Chaffin, who is, as I said, extremely anti union, and is the sheriff of Mingo County is setting up defenses on Blair Mountain, and part of his defenses include financial support from the Logan County Coal Operators Association. So, yeah, again, as I said, the fat cat's bankrolling the mass murder parade. And it allows what, what else is new? Sheriff Chaffin to fund the nation's largest private armed force at the time. Hmm. God, rich people are so uninspired. Rich people are so uninspired. I have a problem, and we throw money at it. Like, ugh, okay. rich people only have one move, and it's throw money. <laughs> it's throw money. It it like, and the things that they throw money at are like dumb. If rich people yeah. were a character in a JRPG, their one attack per round would be throw throw money. money. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be the great Fitzgerald, and like <laughs> checks are just like spinning around them. Yeah. <laughs> But this private army is roughly around 2,000 men. Um, and it's 2,000 men plus the, the sheriffs, goons, and other people. But, like, 13,000 men versus 2,000 men. Yeah. And I know you're like, that's shit odds for the bad guys. Yeah, this but sounds like, great. Yeah, but, like, no, what's the weaponry like? I think we've done enough stories where the odds... Uh -huh. Are not ever in the good guy's favor. Yeah, because there, as much as I love, there have just been too many stories in real life where it's like a group of thirty-five thousand untrained attackers went up against two, and it's just like, yeah, the two guys won because they're yeah. trained. They know. It, it, they know. 
that's exactly my point. Like, I, in my notes, I'm like, yeah, I love that it's 13,000 people, but imagine if you had, like, 13,000 photocopies of your dumb buddy Eric's middle-aged dad up against a brigade of the nation's <laughs> finest fighting force. It's when not I, a fair fight. Up, up against SEAL Team 6. Yeah. I just, I love, so it's like, it reminds me so much of any movie where it's like, come on, lads, they can't shoot us all. And it's like, no, if you <laughs> yes, give them enough can. time, if you give them enough time, a better position, the training, the accuracy, they absolutely can. So here's the thing that I love that you pointed out, Matt, because yeah. uh, this private army of 2000 men had the time to set up. Yeah. Had the better position because they're on top of Blair Mountain and the, uh, the Union guys are running up the mountain. Yeah. And they're clearly much better trained, so it's Jesus like... Jesus Christ. Here, we have 2,000 men, but we're on top of parapets with uh, with Gatling guns. Fucking yeah. come on up. I dare you. Uh, okay, but, like, here's the thing. What if... What if? And hear me out. Hear me out. Mm -hmm. What if the rich people... I think I would appreciate the rich people's strategy way more if they were just, like... The French, like the the French aeronautics people, and they're like, "Let's send up animals in hot air balloons, and we'll see what they do." Hashtag Let's see if they can defeat the money. Union people. Yeah, yeah, I throw money, but at good things, I guess. <laughs> it would be better if they yeah, if they but invested what I'm saying is like beings. yeah. No, I I don't want them to invest. I'm saying, what if instead of two thousand highly trained soldiers, what if they, oh, just, they just said, "Okay, we'll just like full of animals." <laughs> <laughs> filled with animals and been like, do you think this will solve the problem? I don't know how that's going to win a battle, but sure. It would have been sure. entertaining for sure. <laughs> it would oh, have yeah. been very entertaining. Imagine being one of the 13,000 running up the mountain and when you think that, Is that you... that fucking yeah, sheep? You just, see, you just see a fucking balloon. A dirigible flying away with, like, giraffes on it. I was going to say, you're, like, yeah, charging up this mountain getting shot at, and all of a sudden you just see a giant red balloon with a sheep on the end, like, meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, rich, rich people don't want me in the war room. No, they don't. <laughs> Mainly because most of your ideas are unhinged. Megan, I appreciate what you bring. I don't think I'd want you in my war room either. <laughs> No, you do want me in the war room. I'm a maverick. <laughs> then you've got, you've see got the one person that agrees with the wild card that's just like, that's so crazy. It just might, might work. work. Yeah, because oh. I'm the person who's like, that's so crazy. And it's then, gonna, they'll never see it coming. No, so you're like, <laughs> you're the person that proposes the bad plan. And then you run across the room and don like a hat and a fake mustache. And you agree with your own oh, yeah. plan. <laughs> I agree with my own plan. Jeez. All right. Oh, uh, go ahead, getting Zach. the train back on the tracks. Holy fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, it is a rare moment when all of us have ADHD, but you have seen it tonight. Uh, so the first of these skirmishes of the Battle of Blair Mountain are small. Um, and it, it's like... Again, like, mostly just return fire. Nothing major happens uh, as this, like, first fighting force of coal miners begins the assault on Blair Mountain. Um, a majority of them were still miles away and, like, eventually going to get there, but it starts pretty small. Um, 
However, even the small fighting did not make the shitheel president at the time, Warren Harding. Also, don't feel bad if you don't know who Warren Harding is. He's rated as one of the worst presidents of all time. Yeah, I mean, like, whatever, dude. It, but even worse than Don- Donald Trump. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. Warren Harding, like, again, I had to, like, I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And I was like, oh, he was a president? And then I was like, oh... Yeah, no one gives a fuck about Warren Harding. He sucks. <laughs> Worse than Donald Trump? This is crazy. Yeah. Um, so Warren Harding is, like, pissed off that this is going on because he just wants the coal miners to go back to work. He doesn't give a fuck about the unions. Uh, and he's threatening to send in federal troops and even Martin B. MB-1 bombers to just, like, fix the situation with a literal army and bombs. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. Welcome to America. (laughs) And that's how we got Hawaii, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So everyone decides. I'm reading a book about leprosy in Hawaii. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. Pineapple plantations suck. So everyone decides. We'll cover that one later. Okay. Maybe let's not have the actual United States Army show up here on top of the private army and slaughter all of us civilians. And we'll be convinced to go home and, like, fight this another way without actual guns. And so the miners, like, pack up all their stuff and are like, all right, fine. We're still pissed off, but we're not going to be doing this by force. Clearly, you guys have us outnumbered. Um, the only issue with that is that Sheriff Chaffin wanted a war. He bought a private army, so he was getting his fucking war. And as the miners turn around to head home, they get news that Chaffin's men have lined up and killed Union sympathizers and their families just north of Blair Mountain. In like, hey, we don't give a fuck. We have all the power, so we're going to rip these people out of their homes and shoot them in the back of the head style killings. And the coal miners whip back around because you don't just fucking shoot unarmed citizens and get away with it. More trains are stolen to transport the men faster, and fuck do I love a good train stealing. I know. August 29th rolls around. Amtrak must have been devastated back in the day. (laughs) Jeez. August 29th rolls around, and the Battle of Blair Mountain is in full swing. As I said, the miners had more men than Chaffin and his goons, but Chaffin and his goons had much better weaponry and the advantage of being on top of the mountain. Uh, Chaffin also hired private planes to drop homemade bombs on the miners, which were mostly made up of combining poisonous gas and explosives left over from World War I. Sadly, this is four years before they label the use of mustard gas as a war crime, but absolutely know that these men were doing heinous war crimes before they were technically illegal. Sporadic, Just like all rich people. Just like all rich people. Sporadic fighting continues for almost a week as neither side can gain a foothold. Uh, at one point, the miners do look like they're about to break the lines and go in, and then there's more of these fucking bomber planes that show up, and it's a mess. Um, <clears throat> it isn't until September 2nd when federal troops arrive on the scene that the fighting fully stops. Uh, you see many of the miners were veterans uh, of World War One, and they saw people that they either fought alongside or were like, hey, yeah, you're the United States Army, and we really don't feel like 
doing a treason here, so we're not going to fire on the United States Army. Um, doing a treason. Yeah, like, we're, look, we're ready to treason against one state. Um, but we're not ready to treason against the whole United States. <laughs> um, we have, we're drawing a line. Yeah, we have a line in the sand. Um, and with That's the a hard, arrival. That's a hard no. <laughs> yeah. With the arrival of the U.S. Army, the Battle of Blair Mountain finally ends. All in all, there were 30 deaths on Chaffin's scab-ass side, and around 100 miners died with hundreds more wounded. Uh, when the battle ends and the dead are cleared, 985 miners are subsequently arrested for murder, conspiracy to commit murder, and treason. Some of them are acquitted, most of them are not, and many of them serve a number of years in jail. And the world turns once more. Just as you said, Megan, it is bullshit. As the overwhelming use of money and power, born from the sweat of men just asking for their fair share, is used against them to buy an army and favor from the United States government that allows an overwhelming victory for the owners of the mines. As the mining union membership drops from more than 50,000 miners to just about 10,000 in a matter of years. But the thing I... about strikes and unions yeah. and taking on an enemy that is bigger than you is sometimes it's not about how hard you can hit them once. It's about how long you can stay in that fight. And while the coal miners do not win the Battle of Blair Mountain, it starts off a long war between the working class and the scum-sucking pieces of shit that own everything a war that we're still fighting today yes because there is still too many billionaires absolutely but this is the beginning of like or rather in the throes of the first real labor movement and there's a lot of fallout that happens from the battle of blair mountain that is actually it wins the day later it didn't win the day then but it does win the day later and i will talk about that when i actually talk about the third part of this which is the aftermath of Blair Mountain guys did you expect Zach to have a three part mini series within a series I you should I have wrote it. if you had been listening to last episode anyways thank you Zach you're welcome this one was a little I'm, bit shorter I it, like I don't I, there's only so many ways I can be like yeah no this fighting force of a large amount of untrained people got slaughtered like there's only so many ways i can say yeah, that so i was like really all right spin that a ton of different ways i was like let me they um i guess like the amount of people in unions like today has is like drastically lower than what it was in the 80s yeah so i think yeah i, I, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more when i talk about the um the aftermath. The aftermath. But, like, they're seeing... There's a lot of parallels that I am seeing from this story that are happening today, and it's wild. Like, from researching this, I have come to the dis- like this d- idea that, like, we are very much very close to a possible, like... I hate that we have so many historical events in our lifetime, but, like, the possibility of, like, a historic labor movement in our day and age is, like, right there. So, yeah, because I mean, the there are people 
I mean, there's like the writer's strike, at the writers yeah. and actors strike there's that's the happening. And actors strike, but, but then there's also the like the auto workers. The auto workers are striking right now. Mm-hmm. It's a crazy situation. I think. I think what really sucks though is like so yeah they they sh- everyone should get you know fair wage but then what the rich people are gonna do is they're gonna be like okay we're just gonna make fine. it worse to live we're gonna make it more expensive yeah. yeah like sure have your wage have it be higher but we're gonna shunt the cost off yeah to other people and it's like no that's not the point that defeats the purpose like right you've undone it defeats the purpose all our hard work and we'll be bad be back at it again yeah yeah it's just i don't know like i and i hate that argument where it's just like oh well they just like they want higher wages and they're just gonna make everything more expensive and it's just like no who's making the thing more expensive is the people who control the price point Mm mm-hmm and the people who control the price point are the people who own the companies. Yep. Yeah. But that is my story, and I figured I am happy to cede time so that you both get to talk for this episode. Well, I'm just going to keep good. talking so that I don't have to share any time with Megan. Okay. I'm just kidding. Um, so today I'm going to bring you guys a fun story, uh, that involves, uh, everyone on this topic. I, you know what's funny? I wrote these notes, uh, three weeks ago. Mm hmm. And I hate me from three weeks ago. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, today I bring you a very fun story that involves everyone on this podcast's favorite topic. Say it with me, kids. World War Two land disputes that almost turn into full-blown wars. <laughs> that too. I said everybody's favorite topic, not just mine. Ah, uh, yes, land disputes, my favorite topic. Land disputes are everyone's favorite topic. Um, so the year is 1859, and the location is a small island off the coast of Washington State called San Juan Island. Um, don't ask me why I said it like that. I I couldn't tell you. Um, so during this time in our history, uh, we had a lot of boat exploration happening, as, as you do. Um, I love boats. <laughs> I also love boats, uh, but not really, because they're on the ocean, and as I explained earlier, I do not like the ocean. Uh, that was, I get that was in an After Dark segment, guys. If you don't subscribe to us, then you're missing out. Uh, so anyways, we have a lot of boat exploration happening, um, and as so often happens when people are exploring by boat, they land on a piece of land, and if no one's there, they think they're the first ones that got there. And then... <laughs> then they put a flag down, and then, and then, they then put it belongs a flag to down, them. And then they say they own it. Um, yeah, when a when a mommy flag and a daddy flag love each other very much and find a piece of land that doesn't have a flag on it, they get born with flesh wings. Um, <laughs> Amen. It's also an after dark segment, guys. Uh, really, you're missing out. Um, so, anyways, yeah, yeah, you so, truly are. So people just show up at places, they put flags down, they say that they own spaces. 
Um, and then another group shows up on the same island, but plants their flag in a different spot, and therefore they own the island, and then it becomes a land dispute. Welcome to America. Um, in the case of San Juan Island, uh, it's mostly disputed over by the British and the good old U.S. of A. Um, and the dispute is... Uh, the whole dispute part uh, comes from the signing of the Treaty of Oregon in 1846, which established a border between the U.S. and Canada. But the problem with the established border is that because of how the map was drawn, uh, nobody could figure out whether San Juan Island belonged to the United States or Britain. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The thing that makes this kind of funny to me is that they knew that there was a discrepancy in the way that the map was drawn when they were going to sign the treaty. And instead of... Who did? The, the signees. Like, literally everyone involved knew like that both there was... Of them? Yeah. They knew there was a discrepancy <clears throat> in the map plotting. And they... And they said, we'll deal with this later? I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, they signed the treaty. Um, okay. Fucking idiots. And like I said, the, the treaty was signed in 1846. Our story occurs in 1859. So obviously this doesn't become an issue uh, for a number of years. Um, but as is the case with everything, there is obviously a conflict. And uh, it starts with the governor of British Columbia... Uh, James Douglas and he decides one day that he officially wants to claim San Juan Island uh, for the British. Was he just bored? Like, okay, guys, I haven't seen any conflict in a while. I think, <laughs> realistically, that is probably the case. I um, mean, it's also probably like one of those things where he was like, I haven't really done anything that's going to make me legendary. I guess I'll go conquer this disputed land. I guess I'll land. go conquer an island. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be an easy win, so I'm going to do it. Yeah, this will make me this cool is... in the eyes of the people. This will be a big W, boys. Let's go. So, <laughs> in 1853, uh, Douglas decides that he's going to officially... Uh, claim San Juan Island and he sends over an influx of sheep um, he sends over 1300 sheep and he sends over 
one British gentleman by the name of Charles Griffin to tend to the sheep. Okay. Now, obviously, because the land is disputed between um, Britain and America, the influx of sheep does not go unnoticed by American officials who are keeping track of the island. And what they decide to do is they send a tax collector to collect <laughs> taxes for the keeping of sheep. I'm so confused. The Americans and taxes and the British didn't go well the first time. We think yeah, it's going it to go well the second time. <laughs> it sure didn't. But it's made even well, worse. The, the, tab the tables have turned. Now it's America tax yeah. in Britain, right? <laughs> Without representation. Uh, but the... But the tale is made even worse because this tax collector um, sets his camp directly behind Griffin's camp and okay. he raises an American flag. <laughs> so it's yep. essentially Classic. like the two were neighbors and like the one guy had come with paperwork saying like, you owe me money. Um, nice. However... Uh, Charles Griffin, that's his name, right? Yep, Charles Griffin, did not, uh, didn't like an American setting up camp right behind his camp. So he deputizes <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the farm workers that, uh, was on the land and tells him to go arrest the American tax collector. <laughs> uh, the deputized farmhand then goes to serve a warrant to the tax collector and has a rifle pointed at his chest. And How he's American. slowly he's slowly backed out of the room. Um, Excellent. Man. Both sides We loved guns even back in the day. Huh? We loved guns we even back in the guns, day. So we've always loved guns. Since the advent of the gun, we've loved them. Mm -hmm. um, both sides eventually decide that they're going to back away from this conflict. Uh, before it with gets Griffin, nasty. Yeah, <laughs> before guns actually get fired, uh, Griffin decides to let the tax collector stay, and the tax collector is told that he should keep track of any taxes owed without trying to collect them. Where this becomes a mess is that another American is eventually sent to the island, and he too tries to collect the um, the back taxes, which at this point had risen to the grand total of... Does anybody want to take a guess? Just remember, it's yesterday know, it's like money, not today money. Ten dollars. Yeah. So close. Megan? I don't know. It's like like 20? You guys are both you're thinking you're thinking the right denominations here but it was actually eighty dollars and thirty three cents um which that's like a whole year's wages of which is billions of dollars nowadays then. i betcha bill oh, absolutely bet. billions um so this american tries to collect eighty dollars and thirty three cents in back taxes uh from charles griffin who again refuses um and the Americans get a little spicy with this. They decide that what they're going to do to collect the back taxes instead is hold a tax sale where 
in order to collect what they're owed, they're going to auction off some of the sheep that belong to Charles Griffin. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> and so what they do is they steal sheep from Charles Griffin, <laughs> and they manage to auction off and ship off 34 goats before Griffin knows what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> So he essentially just, like, looks out at his field, notices that some stuff's missing, and then he's like, that's a little suspicious. Uh, Didn't did, did I have more goats? I feel like I had more sheep here. Um, I feel like I had way more livestock. Yeah. Um, so they managed to sell and ship out 34 goats uh, before Griffin uh, knew what was happening, and he sent for reinforcements to try and catch... Uh, the Americans who were sailing off, but he unfortunately was not able to recover any of his sheep, any of his livestock. Um, and so he ends up, th this ends up closing the matter out uh, for a time. And between 53 and 59, where our actual conflict starts, um, there's very little friction on the island. Nobody really causes any problems. Uh, but over the years, over the six years, Griffin grows the size of his farm, and American settlers started moving in as well, which is what eventually starts, um, if you guys, again, if you follow us on uh, Patreon, I think Zach does little videos to tell us what the what the what things we're, we're reporting on. on are. He he would have mentioned that today I'm talking about the Pig War. Um, mm -hmm. And in 1859, the Pig War starts in earnest. Uh, an American farmer by the name of uh, Lyman Cutler shoots a pig that a belongs name. to Charles Griffin. Um, Cutler... Essentially what had happened is that the pig wanders on to Cutler's land... Uh, he had tried to shoo the pig away before, um, to no avail, and he, you know, just got fed up and decided to shoot the pig. Uh, Cutler then goes to Griffin to pay him for the pig, and Griffin loses his absolute mind. <laughs> uh... Cutler offered to pay $10 okay. for, uh, for this pig. Griffin ends up saying that he is owed $100. Uh. He says that the Americans have been a scourge on the island, and he's going to get the governor to have them removed. Now... It's not the first time we've been called a scourge on an island. This is true. <laughs> Uh, and it won't leprosy be the last. In Hawaii. Um, <laughs> leprosy in Hawaii. Leprosy in Hawaii. So he says Americans are a scourge. He says that he's going to have them removed. And essentially what he does is he goes and tells his higher up. Uh, Cutler claims to have not known what Griffin was talking about because he <laughs> saw it as American land 
He's like, I don't understand. I shot a man's pig on American land. I don't know why he's getting so upset. When in doubt, feign ignorance. Why is he so mad? Um, Cutler ends up going back and telling his troubles to a general by the name of uh, William Harney, who then stations troops on the island. Ooh, that's the best fucking choice, huh? Now... What I love about this is I just recently, uh, probably a month or two ago, did a story about how one American got shot trying to trim a tree in North North Carolina, in North Korea, and that led to, like, the greatest escalation that's ever (laughs) existed. And this situation kind of unfolds in a very similar way where uh, Cutler tells his troubles to this general. The general stations soldiers. Uh, The British take note of the soldiers being stationed on the island and summon parts of their navy. Um, So, like, it's really just each side brings... I think at the end there were, like... 2,000 American soldiers and four British warships um, (laughs) that were, (laughs) like, just ready to lay waste to each other before the the higher-ups got wind and decided to step in and come to an amicable solution. Uh, But, like, I just think it's so funny how many times that, like, one thing happens and it just turns into this escalation of, well, I'm going to bring in 500 soldiers, I'm going to bring in a warship, I'm going to bring in 500 more soldiers, I'm going to bring in two warships. But, yeah, so essentially the pig war, uh, it doesn't turn into an all-out war for San Juan Island. Um, It does... It does get solved judiciously, uh, but I just thought this story was so funny because it's like, oh, he shot a pig and all of a sudden there's 2,000 soldiers and four British warships. And four British warships. And a partridge. Five gold rings. Jeez. So, yeah. Um, But... I must have been pressed for time uh, when I was doing this story weeks ago uh, because I did not look at... What I'm looking up right now is I'm trying to figure out who ended up getting the island. Oh. Uh, Oh, it was a bloodless war. San Juan Islands awarded to the United States following third-party arbitration by the (laughs) German Empire, of all people. (laughs) <laughs> hmm. um, interesting yeah on the United States side they had 461 combatants and 14 cannons on the uh, British side there were 2140 combatants 5 warships and 70 mounted cannons jeez so it was only 70 it was rookie like, numbers it was, it was a big escalation cause I think uh, Harney just he just migrated over the 400 soldiers. But as so often happens, America won. And the rest, as they say, is history. Uh, Jeez. I, I, can you imagine if that was our tagline? 
<laughs> instead of what the fuck history, if I just ended up every episode by saying, and the rest, as they say, right. is history. History. <laughs> try it out. It'd be a little bit, it's now. a little longer. I'm not going to try it out. Okay. Where's the piss history? Where's, yeah, where is it, though? Donde esta la piss? <laughs> Donde esta. Anyway, Megan. Um, all right. Yeah. Okay. So I named this one. This one's about hermits, but not the crabs. Okay. Was it because of my post um, in the chat earlier? It was. Aw, love that. Yes. I influenced a decision. You did. And we thank you for it. So I think that this day and age uh, when the world is burning yeah. and getting up for work feels like a death sentence. Yeah. Um, the only actual calling I want to have is to be a hermit. That I've discovered that about myself. Okay. Now, you might be wondering if this is an actual occupation. And after looking at lists of famous hermits throughout history, I can assure you that while the salary is not listed on Glassdoor, <laughs> it is something that you can do. Okay. And I'm going to tell you at least how this one man's journey to hermitdom, how you too can follow in his footsteps. Um, the other thing I learned about being a hermit is that it really opens your time up to get into all sorts of like hobbies, like prayer and gardening. Okay, uh, one of those things I That's like. A, well, I'm just saying that like, these are the things that hermits do okay. most of the time. So, in this particular story, we are going to focus on a man by the name of Valerio Rossetti, Italian, Austrian, hermit, and gardener. These were the four things okay. he is. Um, it's a full-time job being Italian. So, Rossetti began his life like many other people. He was born, but <laughs> unlike many other people... <laughs> uh... You know, I almost got through that without <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Every so often, Megan will come out with a line that just completely catches me off guard. <laughs> and that was that was just... the one. That did it. <laughs> I'm just over here tell, disassociating, tell which is why I've been so quiet. And then Megan just busts out with, like, his life started like everyone else's. He was born. born. And I'm back in it, baby. <laughs> back in it um so he was born but unlike many other people he was born in the italian alps that bordered switzerland yeah, which is a small population of people that that's so true um he claimed that he was born in 1898 he <laughs> did adjust his date of birth to either get out of work or receive better pay rates so like make the resume you want babe yeah i love and that <laughs> Um, also, like, according to TikTok, age is just a number, baby. So, uh, you know, take take that as you will. What, uh, no, we won't take it as we will. Um, who's saying it? Uh, the age is not, is just a yeah, number, no, TikTok. but who's saying it? Like, I'm 18 and he's 74. Oh. Those people. See, okay, here's where it becomes a problem right yeah when she was 17 the incels that are like yeah. age is oh, just yeah. a number it's like you, have a, you a have a body They're... pillow of a 14 year old that's unacceptable yes 
Well, to be fair, the incels are a problem all the time and not just with this. No, you're absolutely uh, correct. But, um, so like I said, age, just number. There is no actual birth record of this man. But his dealings later on in life with the Australian police do place his birth in 1897. So... As a young man, he was a stonemason and concrete worker, learning the trades um, in road and rail tunnel construction. And he wanted to move to Australia. And his uncle, noting that like World War II was coming when um, Valeria was a young man, he lent them the money to get on a passenger ship. He was just like, listen, you're probably going to get drafted. Like, we can kind of get you out of here to Australia, which Thanks, I assume. Uncle. Thanks, uncle. You are uh, less of an uncle and more of a clairvoyant, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So while down under, he worked in a mining town, but left brokenhearted because a barmaid that he had fallen in love with had denied his affections. It happens to the best of us. You just got to get up and get on with your life, you know? You just have to find a different barmaid. Exactly. You have to find a different barmaid, but you have to remember that they are being paid to be nice to you. Yes. Yes. Resounding a yes. Resounding yes. Uh, yeah. Don't yeah, be I know. You guys both answered yes. Don't be that guy. That's, Unless yeah. she's she comes to you. Oh, that's a slippery slope, if, folks. If she comes to you, then she's she's interested, but if if you're on the other side of that counter and you're going to her, it's it's up in the air. So, a few years later, he found himself captured and sentenced to jail by the Australian police because he had left his wallet at a brothel. Um, oh. When he tried to get it back, the owner wouldn't let him in, and Valerio threw a rock through the, their window. Oh, and okay. so they called the police, and they're like, this guy's throwing rocks. Um, here's his wallet. So, when he was released, he tried to pawn his only possession, which was a jacket, but it was stolen by a passerby. And in 1928, he got some work as a sailor, and while working, he disembarked from the ship, walked along the railway lines with no destination in mind until he came to a place called Griffith, where a rainstorm forced him to find shelter in a cave. And then the next day, he realized that the area had plenty of food and a dump where he found some tools that he decided to repurpose. He's so crafty. And he decided that, like, all in all, life was really looking up. And he decided to stay. However, he he thought he was, like, the only Italian in the area. And he decided that he wasn't going to do any more investigating into that matter. He was like, I'm a lonely little Italian boy. (laughs) in the Australian wilderness, and I'm not gonna see if anyone else has ever heard of an Italian ever nearby, so (laughs) I'm gonna be alone. So he stayed to himself, living in the cave and building hideouts in case people ever wandered by, because he was like, I don't wanna be seen by anyone else other than Italians, which is weird, because I left Italy. And then he like in in one of the uh hideouts like he built like a stone wall with a peephole in it which i bet definitely looked like it was like naturally occurring so he could like look out in case people were coming yeah um so 
His stoneworking ability found good use here, though. Uh, he cleared the site and started constructing stone galleries, paths, cliffside gardens, and floral-painted rock walls. Um, by hand, he moved hundreds of tons of rock over the years without anyone in the area becoming aware that he was there. Wow. Good for That's him. That's impressive. What? Yeah. It, yeah. He, he had a lot of time on his hands. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So in 1936, Rossetti had been at it for six years, uh, but then he fell and broke his leg. No. No. I know. Um, so this time, someone passed by, but like this person didn't steal a coat or anything from him. He helped him by notifying an ambulance, and it took him to a hospital. And the accident, um, like it required the hospital to have an address and so the hospital is just like where do you live and Rossetti was like none uh, of your fucking business <laughs> none of your fucking business but also you can leave the bill at my cave <laughs> and they're like what the fuck <laughs> uh, so it, it <laughs> so it kind of like launched him into fame because people became aware of like the sheer scale of his work. They were like, holy shit, you've been out here this whole time. And he's like, yeah, I don't really like people. So when he was let see, out- I didn't want to be seen by anyone but Italians. <laughs> yeah, he's like, don't, unless you have Italian if eyes, you're not don't Italian, look at me. Do not perceive me. <laughs> yeah, unless you say ciao, like don't, talk to me and so when he was let out and he returned to the cave and he was anxious because he didn't have any money for the doctor who treated him so he snuck into town at night and worked in the doctor's garden okay and the doctor caught him after a few visits and informed him payment in a socialist system wasn't necessary and then the two became great friends and Rossetti continued to garden for him, and the doctor visited his cave and gave him shoes and clothes. And this was the beginning of Rossetti being like, wow, maybe people other than Italians might be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo I love that his, his specifically uh, only Italian racism was quelled by a sweet, sweet doctor. <laughs> Sweet, sweet doctor. Uh, I don't know. Why did he go to Australia if he just wanted to be around Italians? Um, so overall, Rossetti called what he was making the Garden of Eden, and it was massive. It was made of structures composed of dry stone walling, which means that he just made rocks fit together like puzzle pieces without the use of mortar. Damn. Wow. And That's fucking talent. I know. It's like... It is a lot. Of, like, he was a master stonemason, and, like, he was like, I just, I do it for fun. Um, and keeping in mind that he completed this all on his own, the Garden of Eden covers 160,000 square meters on top of a rocky ridge. Jeez. And it stretches over a kilometer. Holy shit. I, yeah, I know. So... As always, interesting things were ended with World War II, like World War II happened and then we never talked about anything else. And Australia put into effect a requirement saying that all enemy aliens, 
known as Japanese, Italian, and Germans, had to register with the government. And Rossetti obviously did not do this, considering he was indeed a hermit and had things to build. Um, he's a busy man. Let so him go. He, he's a busy man. So he was arrested in 1942, which wasn't his first rodeo with the with the law. We remember the brothel. Mm-hmm. We remember the brothel. Incident. And his, we we all remember the brothel. And his reasoning for, like, not registering was that he didn't know he was supposed to register, and that was accepted by the police. He was like, I just didn't know, and the police were like, oh, he didn't know. <laughs> How was he supposed to know, you know? How was he supposed to know? He, he has no Wi-Fi out there. <laughs> and <laughs> they noted that he was a harmless mental deficient who lives the life of a hermit, which I, this is a little mean. I don't, like, he's just supposed to be left alone. So, honestly, if that's all it takes to not be a functioning member of society and have people, like, leave me alone, then, like, put that in my permanent file, too. Like, he just, like, call me a mental deficient who lives the life of a hermit, and then I won't have to pay taxes. Yeah, right? So, I know, like, call me whatever you want, honestly. As long as I don't like, have to pay taxes. Stones. Yeah. Um, so the military police, however, did not see it the same way, and they wanted to search the cave, but Rossetti was too busy building to have time to read, like, subversive literature or, like, be disloyal. He was like, I don't even know what war is happening. (laughs) He only yearned for the mines. As you so often (laughs) Um, do. As you so often do. Um... Allegedly, though, the investigators said that he had lined the walls of his cave with newspaper that had stories about Hitler, which, like, find any newspaper between the years of 1940 to 1945 that didn't have stories about Hitler. I find dare any you. newspaper like, nowadays that doesn't have a mention of Hitler. That's what I'm saying. And so this was cause enough for detainment. Wow. They were like, this guy's a Nazi. Jeez. And... He was arrested at his cave and sent to an internment camp where he was given the duty of building roads because this man's life mottos was rock and stone. They were like, <laughs> we'll give you what you want. I fucking love the deep rock galactic thing you just threw in there for fun. <laughs> I know. Rock and stone. Um, rock and stone. So... After he was released, he registered his cave as an actual address and worked on a nearby farm. Um, He did have visions of a man and woman in the sky telling him he needed to keep working on the cave complex, though. Uh, And in 1952, yeah, come on, man. You know what? (laughs) All right, I'll give it to him. You think he's not going to have visions? Uh, so, in 1952, his health started to decline, and he returned to Italy, and I assume he was like, wow, look at all these Italians. Uh, he planned on returning to Australia after reconnecting with his brother, but he died before he could, and his cave became known as Hermit's Cave, and is preserved on the State Heritage Register in Australia. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so... I've had that story written for a while, so I forgot a lot about what I had written. Um, God. But I was on a real hermit kick for a while. The next few stories will purely have to do with Japan. (laughs) Back to normal. (laughs) Back to normal. So, back to normal. Business as usual. 
Well, like, you guys tend to stick with, like, European and, like, American history. Yeah. So, most of the time, I know when I'm looking for stories that, like... Japanese and Asian history is... Yeah. Yeah, is, like, pretty up for grabs, which, like, suits my interests just fine. Like, we just Um. had the whole conversation about how many times do you think about the Roman Empire... (laughs) <laughs> all the time. And, uh, yeah. Zach is apparently all the time. I'm probably, like, every so often. And when I asked Megan, who, mind you, is a history major, she was like, I never think about it. I think of the, the what did you say, the Empire of the Rising Sun? <laughs> I think of the Empire of the Rising Sun. And then I think sun. Tyler was like, I don't think we're allowed to call it that anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, but I definitely think about, like, the Japanese Empire way more than I think about the Roman Empire. Right. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about the Roman Empire more lately because I've been doing a bunch of Warhammer 40k. Inundated with TikToks about it? Well, that, Uh, like, also just, like, doing a bunch of deep dives on Warhammer 40k lore and, like, how fucking much that is inspired by, like, Greco-Roman shit is insane. I think what's... So I saw, like, another version of that TikTok where it's, like, men think about the Roman Empire a lot, but, like, what is the female equivalent? Yeah, it's, uh... I heard today that it's apparently Helen Keller. Uh... What? Yeah. No? That doesn't make any sense. So, okay, but this is... Listen, I've heard that, like, it's... The... The retort that most men have had is like how often do you think about helen keller oh because the trend is never just how often well, do you that's think of not the roman true. empire yeah i think about helen keller every time i go to tooksbury why because Anne seaton the woman who taught helen keller was from like she worked at the tooksbury state hospital oh that explains and it. there's a statue of helen keller and her and took next to Tuxbury Town Hall. Did not know that. Yeah, so every single time I go to Tuxbury, I'm like, what would Helen Keller think of Tuxbury? It's <laughs> a good question. Would she love Thai? There's so many Thai f- food restaurants on this street. <laughs> I bet Helen Keller but, would love so, Thai. I don't think we can I, say that because Justin Bieber got in trouble for similar things about other historical people. I don't want to make any assumptions about Helen Keller in fear that we might... Actually, you know what? It was... <laughs> it was someone during... What? <laughs> you, you didn't hear about this? Justin no. Bieber got no. in trouble because he went to um, the Anne Frank Museum and wrote in, oh. like, the diary that was like, I bet she'd oh. be a believer or something like oh, that. Okay. I was trying well, to make a joke, but none of my friends know these references so no i don't sorry guys sorry audience just me (laughs) sorry audience but before we end yeah so i heard that the equivalent the female equivalent of the roman empire is the regency period that makes sense yeah it's like the period like victorian and regency where like a lot of bodice rippers romances take place hmm and like there's courting and you know like where bridgerton takes place or you know the countess yes stuff like that so high romance 
Makes sense. Most men don't even know how to put together a proper phalanx, so I don't know why they're thinking yeah. about the Roman most Empire pe- so most much. Most men don't know how to counter a proper phalanx, and that's bullshit. Yeah, so maybe they should be thinking about it so they can get their heads in the game. Right. Get your head in the game. Also, the answer with that is um, you want Just mounted... roll a big rock into it. Ca- cavalry <laughs> archers flanking. That's yeah. how you figure. That's how you take out a phalanx. Anyway. Yeah, for... For all you nerds out there. For all you people who need to get fucking schooled. Yeah, God. <laughs> so, anyway, we seem to be towards the end of our, our time here, and uh, it is appreciated. We love it. We love that you're here. Um, yeah, but we have a couple so things that we need to... Truly. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. We had a couple of housekeeping things, though. Um... First off, uh, I know we've mentioned a couple times, but we do have a Patreon. If you go to www.patreon.com slash Productions, you can find us there and you can support us uh, monetarily if you so choose. And by doing so, you get a couple of bonuses like the After Dark specials, as well as unedited episodes that come out a day before the regular episodes, and also a couple of other fun things that we have in the works. If you can't support us monetarily, feel free to just give us a follow on our social media. You can look us up on Facebook, The Triumvirate Productions, or you can find us on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. And if you're feeling especially saucy, because, hey, sometimes you're just feeling saucy, you can head on over to... uh, iTunes or Spotify and leave us a rating and review. If you do it on iTunes, you can actually leave us a a written review, and we love reading those. They're a whole lot of fun. Um, But yeah, thank you very much for listening, and with that, I have done my whole spiel. I'm good. I'm done. And with Zach doing his whole spiel, it's time for me to do my whole spiel and say what the fuck, history? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.